Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. The European Commission's latest in-depth assessment of 10 aspiring member states' bids for EU membership forms the basis for some unexpected recommendations. On Thursday, the 8th of November, the European Commission adopted its 2023 enlargement package and the report contains good news for several countries, but in particular for Ukraine. In the case of Ukraine, the Brussels executive not only recognises the significant progress made by Kyiv on democratic reforms, but actually recommends the opening of accession negotiations. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, warmly welcomed the decision and expressed his thanks to the Commission president for her belief in Ukraine. He added that his country had worked hard to earn this valuable right. Polsky Radio reports. Our state should be in the European Union. Ukrainians deserve this for both their defense of European values and for the fact that, even in times of full-scale war, we keep our word, developing our state institutions and taking all the necessary decisions. Sentiments that were echoed by the country's deputy PM for European integration, Olga Stefanishina, and shared by Latvia's radio. Ukraine will work as quickly as possible. We have already shown today with our work that neither the shootings, the lack of light or internet, nor the occupation have prevented us from moving forwards because we are fighting for our freedom, independence and the well-being of the whole of Europe. Former Polish ambassador in Kyiv, Jan Piklo, cautions, though, that Ukraine's accession process will take time and that its progress will depend, among other things, on its NATO status. This is a bit of an 11th hour move by the outgoing commission. While this is a political signal that Ukraine is important and should be part of the European Union, it will certainly not happen overnight or even in the near future. I am convinced that, just as it was for Poland, only once Ukraine receives some kind of NATO guarantee will it find itself in the EU, and this under a new parliament and a new commission. Moldova also received a green light for accession talks, despite needing to continue de-oligarchizing its economy and political system, fighting corruption at every level, and reforming its judicial system. Of course, neither Ukraine's nor Moldova's accession is imminent. With this in mind, Bulgarian Renew Europe MEP Ilhan Kyutschuk backs the proposal to allow politicians from candidate countries to sit in European Parliament sessions without having the right to vote. Let us think about how these countries can gradually be integrated into the EU and be realistic. Enlargement will not happen today or tomorrow, but we need to give them sufficiently clear messages, concrete steps and actions to show them, especially the citizens of these countries, that they belong in the EU. And I welcome Roberta Metzola's proposal to give these countries and their politicians the status of being here with us without having the right to vote. The Commission's report also examines the varying degrees of progress made by the six countries of the Western Balkans, and even those seemingly closest to accession negotiations face bumps in the road. In something of a surprise move, 
Bosnia and Herzegovina was given what essentially equates to an amber light for accession talks, despite falling some way short of the accession criteria in a number of areas. RTBF asks Raoul Delcord, Honorary Ambassador of Belgium and Guest Professor of International Relations at Belgium's UC Louvain, what he thinks lies behind this decision. In my opinion, there are two explanations for the situation in the Balkans and Bosnia-Herzegovina in particular. Bosnia's second largest trading partner is China, and it is also clear that while the Bosnian population has a pro-European inclination, this is less true of the country's leaders. As you know, Bosnia and Herzegovina has a complicated structure, with part of the territory managed by Bosnian Serbs, who are not particularly pro-European and lean more towards Russia. So, this is a strong signal to Bosnia. If you are consistent, you will have a place in the European Union. And finally, let's move on to North Macedonia, which has been much discussed over recent years, whenever the subject of enlargement has arisen. EU Enlargement Commissioner Oliver Varelli has suggested, says BNR, that constitutional reform is a key stumbling block to said country's progress in the accession process. Bulgarian MEP Angel Jambaski, from the European Parliament's European Conservatives and Reformists Group, agrees wholeheartedly demanding to know when North Macedonia's Bulgarian minority is finally going to be referenced in the country's constitution. BNR shares his heated contribution to the debate. We wonder where the inclusion of Bulgarians, Croats and other communities in the constitution of the Republic of North Macedonia went. They should have been listed a year ago. This was promised, but of course it did not happen, because there are pro-Serbian and pro-Russian forces who are lying to us. So what happens next? In particular for Ukraine, which now appears to be in pole position. It remains to be seen, says Luxembourg's national broadcaster 100.7, whether the bloc's 27 member states are ready to send such a clear signal on Ukraine's accession as the European Commission has done. The decision on whether or not to launch negotiations now rests with the European Council, and the go-ahead must be given unanimously. An outcome is expected at the next European summit to take place in mid-December. The fact that the Commission is backing the opening of negotiations is powerful. Yet we must not forget that Hungary and Slovakia also sit at the Council table. Their leaders stand accused of pro-Russian bias, and Budapest has openly accused Kyiv of failing to respect the rights of Ukraine's ethnic Hungarian minority. We can therefore expect the December summit to be a tricky one. But will Hungary and Slovakia really exercise their veto here? RTBF puts the question to Ambassador Delcord. No, I don't think so, but it's a way of raising the stakes a little and also of provoking debate on a complex issue. Namely, how are we going to budget for the accession of a country as significant as Ukraine? Are we going to eat into the CAP subsidies paid to France, for example, because Ukraine is also an agricultural powerhouse? Will the cohesion funds that currently benefit Poland now benefit Ukraine? These are the trade-offs that need to be discussed. Yet, despite some hurdles remaining for all prospective new EU member states, there is no doubt that attitudes to enlargement are shifting within the Union. Or so says the EU's Environment, Oceans and Fisheries Commissioner, Virginius Sinkevicius, who spoke to our Lithuanian member station, Ginu Radias, on Thursday morning. 
There has been a major shift underway for some time now, because if we go back some five years to the last Commission, there was a feeling that the European Union was not ready for further enlargement, and that further enlargement was, well, not really foreseen. Now there is a completely different policy. We now have, with Georgia, nine countries with candidate status, and some of them have made really huge progress. It is clear that we see the situation differently now. We no longer have the luxury of leaving grey areas in Europe. And on that note, I'll sign off. Do come back next week for more news from around the Euronet Plus network.